welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free. Wait, yes. No, we are not a spoiler-free <laughs> podcast. So make sure you Spoilers have ahead. seen. Spoilers ahead. So make sure you have seen the movies we are talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Ray. And I'm your other host, Chris. And we're back with episode two of our franchise series. Fuck um, me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you're coming into it fresh right now, uh, you might want to pause it and go back to our previous episode where we reviewed the first Blair Witch Project. Uh, this week, we are reviewing... Um, and I, the title gives me pause because they flipped it around. It's canonically called... Book of Shadows, colon, Blair Witch 2. No, 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 no. We're just going to call it Blair Witch 2. And, and yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, just, that's, yeah. that's, our, that's our movie for this week. And yeah. we're going to bear the lead. It was pretty bad. Uh, I'm going to start this the same way I started my morning, which is by telling you all the same thing I told Chris, which is that I watched this movie for a third time today. Right. Right, that, that that baffles me so much. That's like an okay. extra three hours of your life that you just can't just, get back. It just, it's just gone. It's just gone. That's so. <laughs> I, I so had so Chris, much trouble watching this hour and a half long movie. The I first did the first time. time. I did the and, first time. <laughs> so so Chris goes, why? <laughs> and you also might be wondering. Right. Why why would you listen to something that you hated three times? Why would you watch something you hated three times? Aside from the fact that I clearly like pain, I wanted to make sure I was valid in my like sheer hatred for how bad this movie was. You're treating this like a social experiment. You're, you wanted them, your measurements to be reliable and valid uh and not and not Touched by bias, correct. Um, and it so turns you, you out had your original, you, you had your initial <laughs> watch. You then you had a variable, and then you had a control group. And correct. Then, uh, <laughs> and it, it turns out all you really needed to do was watch this movie once, and then find the article that I just happened to find at like 10 a.m. this morning, and that would have sufficed. Instead, I found the article <laughs> like four four days too late, and had then watched this movie three times. I have found <laughs> <laughs> that this is a movie that is so bad, but I understood what it was trying to do. And had the studio not gotten involved with this film, it would have been so much better because yes. the original concept for the film mm. was 10 times better. Yeah, so this movie... Um, it was, uh, was directed shit. and co. Yes, it was <laughs> shit, but it was directed and co-written by Joe Berlinger. Um, and then the other writer was uh Dick, Baby, Baby. Baby. <laughs> um, so their original. I'm mature. Vision... I'm sorry. I just laughed because you. Uh, I I I'm a mature adult. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce their names. I'm sorry. I'm terrible. No, it's fine. Um, look, here's the thing. The director that they used for Book of Shadows 
is uh, a guy who does documentaries. Very famously, the Paradise Lost documentary. And first of all, horror movie aside, Paradise Lost is about a really famous uh, case in true crime about the West Memphis Three. And that is a case that has fascinated me for like ever and a half. And I've seen Paradise Lost. I've seen all of them. I think there's I think there's three of them, if I remember correctly. And th- that that's why Book of Shadows rightly so feels different than bl- the original Blair Witch, and they wanted to do something different. Yeah, and the, and the, the the way they wanted it to go about this film, uh, I thought. Like on paper, it's it seems like a very intellectual, philosophical, sociological approach, and that, that totally tracks with um, the team being like ex like just having a background in documentaries. Like so, they um, they wanted to be both a psychological thriller and a commentary on like mass hysteria, uh, and they a lot of the footage or a lot of the research about the film. Um, it was built around them interviewing uh, Maryland residents and a- asking them about how they felt about the cultural impact of the original film. Um, and then they were expounding on um, concepts of like, uh, like again, mass hysteria or, or groupthink or those types of psychological uh, dynamics. Um, and I thought that would have been a really great undertone or uh i, I guess like psychological or just um intellectual undertone but like ryan mentioned i feel like at least 60 to 70 percent of all the movie's problems are just based on the st- studio influence just not getting what made the first movie great and just going for a cheap blockbuster horror film just making it really generic because for the sake of making it quote-unquote more they wanted to profit off the huge massive success of the first one exactly and And that's the thing like they they just got all the they just missed everything that was great about the first film like um this is really surprising to me so like just to, just to start off, like not even before filming started, um, Artisan at the time, um, they were really eager to to produce a sequel while the film was still, oh, the original film was still highly popular. Um, and then Hacks of Films, uh, who created the original film, uh, they didn't want to build a follow-up they wanted the hype to die down they wanted to take your time which i totally get that's a totally indie move um but you know when you're commission when you're driven by commercialism and like the the dollar um and oh the woes of capitalism whatever um they they went ahead without hacks and films which that's the first major mistake that's terrible yeah yeah um and and the 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 second major crux um, is during post production, um, the studio added so much uh, changes and revisions 
Um, Which is what added to the corniness and the fucking cheapness of this movie. And I think that that's why it turned into something that I clearly have fallen in love with hate watching. Mm -hmm. Because now I will hate watch this movie because I watched it three times already. Yeah, it's... It's like it the, wasn't, the studio, it the studio was like not good. added like all the really cheesy, bad, trashy, like nineties music in there. They added Listen, hold on now. <laughs> Some of that was Marilyn Manson. Okay. Disposable okay, teens listen. <laughs> uh, just like I I, I yeah, the rest like, of it was crap. Yeah, I felt like they everything like the studio in d- did, so like um uh, what's it called? Like adding more "quote unquote" traditional horror elements, adding the interrogation scene, which was like an eight-minute cut, but then they just interspersed it throughout the film. Um, and the gore at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all like, of that was I, all studio. Yeah, it was all studio. It just made it. It just, I, I, I swear, like the first five minutes, um, when I was watching this film. Like just the just them. This was after the the montage of where uh, they were or residents of Burkittsville or people in Maryland would be interviewed. Then it cuts to a giant montage, sweeping shot of forest, and then this. Uh, I don't know. I felt it was really cringe, like this '90s grunge music playing in the background, and it's like at the very beginning. Yeah, it's like the oh, very beginning like, shot was taken right out of Paradise Lost. Yeah, and that's disposable teens playing at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I, I swear, like this is one of those films where it should have stayed indie. Haxon should have, you know, kept hold on to their baby, but. You know, artists just went ahead, and you know that. Unfortunately, that happens, and I feel like I'm so mad at the studio right now. This is—it could have been so much better, and it—it it wasn't. Like they just didn't get what made this film great, and I feel like I really feel for the director and the writer because they—they commented like, "Oh yeah, the end result is like a complete 180 degree of what we wanted," and. You know, yeah, it's always un- it's always unfortunate when a director puts their heart and soul into something, and then a studio forces all of these changes, and it doesn't pan out. Because clearly, he had this vision for this movie that, on paper, sounds like oh, such like such a better movie than what we got, <laughs> and it just it makes me so angry. Uh, yeah. Okay, Ryan. What? I know this. This I know this entire film makes you angry. But what? Made I, you I'm gonna hate watch this for the. Honestly, I'm gonna hate watch this movie for the rest of my life because, like, I while I was watching it for the second and third time, I would walk away knowing that I wouldn't miss anything of consequence and come back, and the movie still would make as much sense as it did when I walked away. Which is not something that you 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 want. You know, as a as a viewer, as a filmmaker, it's not something that you strive for. I think that it was either the studio had in mind what they wanted and they picked the wrong director or they just, you know, like if you're going to pick the director they picked, someone who is known for documentaries, 
then you should trust the pick and and try to trust their process and their vision and go with what they wanted. Which clearly they didn't because they were like, nah, sorry, bye, and just completely changed far too much of this. I get what they tried to do with this, but what you ended up with was a movie that felt like it was confused about itself. Yeah, it had an identity crisis. And was too many things were happening at once. Uh, this one was psychic. This one was a witch, which I'm going to get to the whole Wiccan part of this thing in a minute because a lot of that pissed me the hell off. And then there was creating the unreliable narrator with the guy that went to the psychiatric institution, which was completely unnecessary. And then there was the whole original plot of the movie that was in there where it was, whether it was historical or hysteria. And it reminded me. Oh yeah. You throw in like, you throw in everything else. Exactly. It was was everything. It was everything in the blender. It was terrible. But where I think the original plot, which was based on the book that Stephen and Tristan were going to write, which is about mass hysteria, would have succeeded because there's actually an episode of House like this. It's called Airborne Hysteria, where one person panics and gets something. And then by the end of the episode, everyone ends up being okay. But everyone starts coming down with hysteria Everyone's getting all these symptoms and doing this and doing that. And then they you realize that it's not a real illness, that nothing bad's actually happening. It's airborne hysteria. He cre- there was a situation that was created within a bunch within a group of people contained in a space, and they all got mass hysteria. And if you think about that in terms of a horror movie, it's actually really friggin' brilliant. But you couldn't let the director get away with that they didn't they didn't let him do what he wanted and by the way the only reason why i know any of this is because thankfully when the director did the commentary on the movie the studio didn't censor him at all so he spoke very (laughs) freely (laughs) and was not shy about the fact that he was like no i didn't want this didn't want this they changed this they made me put this in there and i'm going to post the link to the article on the website and in the show notes like, because it really is unfortunate. I mean that I I understand like you know artists and entertainment. You know they were trying to cash in, and like, I mean it's it's trying to balance whether you know you're you're still trying to run a business, but you're also trying to create art, and you know sometimes one side has to give. But I I, I I'm on the mind where. I mean, you see this a lot in like the MCU, where yeah, like like Disney uh, or Marvel Entertainment, you know, they have their say, but you know, especially for movies like Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok, they really trust their their creators and their teams to like execute their vision, and you know, you know, they 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 help them help they help them, and you know, this is clearly not what happened here. They, you know, uh, Artisan was like, we got to make a really commercially viable movie. So we're, we're just going to insert all these, all these generic horror tropes, which didn't mash well with the original vision. And even, even though, I mean, there's nothing, nothing against like, 
adding like a a general spoopy horror trope, but like and tropes exist because they they they're time tested and proven. But like I guess how the studio went about it, it's just it was just horribly executed. And then you you just had this movie where it just been it pulls in every single direction and and by the end it's just like oh this is such a mess um yeah i this movie this movie i this this movie <laughs> chris is speechless with this how movie, horrible like, this, yeah, movie this movie is <laughs> it, i swear it's, this is one of those few movies where like i was looking at the clock and it felt I was watching the movie for ten hours, and only like ten minutes of footage passed by. It was like, ugh, like I know. please end this right now. Okay, so one of the points from this article, um, I think it's point number, it's point number nine, which I just thought was interesting. Uh, Berlinger notes that the different characters in his film and how they represent the different archetypes in American culture and how they reacted to the Blair Witch Project. Included are the Wiccans, who were upset with the way the first film misrepresented them, the goth crowd, who were infatuated with the paranormal and outside-the-box nature of the first film, intellects, who wanted to debate the film's mythos, and entrepreneurs who only looked to make money off the first film's success. And they're right. Each one of those characters is very, like, it, they're right there in front of you. But a lot of that gets misconstrued because the movie was just so terribly executed because of all the stuff that they had to change. Like, if you watched a movie that was supposed to be a, a comment on violence in the media and how the media drives fanaticism, combined with the standard horror movie, which is what he wanted this to be originally, with the mass hysteria plot, with all with that same representation, you would be looking at a totally different movie than what you got. I agree. And maybe a more interesting one. I would, I, yes, I, I, like, you, you, you could see, you could see, like, you could see the underlying potential. Like, I, 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 I saw, like, like, especially, I mean, it wasn't so much as exposition, but, um, more in the first third of the movie, you saw what they're trying to do. Um, the characters are written the way, or especially that one character. Well, what was his name? Um, the main character Jeff. who's writing the book. Like that's his entire. Steven. Thesis. Like, like he his he's all about hysteria, uh, and he's writing a book about it. And he's um, actually, yeah, it was during that campsite scene where it seemed a little stilted, but. I I'm a sucker for like philosophy and sociology and just like heated debates like that. So it was it was when the writer and his girlfriend were just arguing back and forth about um how the myth of the Blair Witch got so out of hand and she's arguing well mythology has power and there's there there's a root of truth into it and then the the, the writer was like no um it's because it's because it's, it's just mass hysteria, uh, and people give it power um, because you know they're they're not looking at it rationally, and they only want to see what they want to see, and they they, they want to see like the sensation, something something along those lines. And I was like, oh, this is great. I it's I it's a little bit jilted and forced, but this is cool. I really like it. And then 
you know the third the second the next two acts or three acts they just threw it out the window it just becomes this really mismanaged schlock fest um, so yeah yeah <laughs> there's there's really like there's okay so i'm gonna touch on the whole wiccan thing when they get to the site of the house and they see the recent graffiti that they said were like pagan the like pagan alphabet. symbols, the witch's alphabet and the pagan is, symbols. The, First those of all, are Norse runic symbols. Correct. Elder Futhark. Yes, um, they are. And so. I looked up what each one of the, I looked up what each one of those runes meant because the the girl who plays the Wiccan in the movie, she was like, actually, they're they're more symbols of protection. And unless you're a Wiccan, like you would know that you would have nothing to fear. Well, that's not entirely true. One of those ruins was okay so i think there were one two three i have six written down of the ones that i saw like going back and like pausing and trying to figure out what they were including the ones that were on their bodies you have one that means joy one that means gift one that means sacrifice which isn't always necessarily like like a sacrifice yeah. Right, like a sacrifice, like the way people used to sacrifice other people, like not necessarily that. Sometimes it's you sacrifice your love life for a job or something like that. It's not necessarily like evil or evil intent. There's one that meant need. There's one that was actually a symbol for a giant or Thor. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's one that <laughs> means torch. So like none of those... None of those are inherently evil or, like, protective in any way. They're actually very, like, good. Yeah. So someone did not do their homework to even or they're try like, to pass hey, off any of this these bullshit. these symbols look cool. I would spray them on a wall. <laughs> right, exactly. They're like, oh, they look pagan. Or they were written down on, like, my five-year-old's tarot deck. Why a five-year-old has a tarot deck, See, I don't know. Uh, I but, have so many friends know. who are, like really hardcore to like norse heritage and you know so like some of them are actually fluent they can fluently read Elder they can read again. runes yeah like, yeah that's and amazing like, yeah it's and like because like okay like a, a quick backstory so um i used to work for a company called crits assess they make dice rings which are basically dice you can wear on your finger so you can use it for tabletop gaming you just use it as a fidget spinner or fidget toy um so one of our novelty rings um this was voted uh by the community back on uh the kickstarter that which started the whole company in like in 2015 um so one of the rings that we used to have or we still have actually um is an elder futhark ring um it was like it was just this, the norse alphabet and i remember so many times where um going to like gaming conventions or just comic-con um you, you would always find a couple of people who um you know they they have like um tattoos or they wear they wore emblems of molnir the molnir necklace or uh, there's really pr they they really connect to Norse mythology or Norse heritage or um, in some significant way, and they 
Um, and I, I remember at least one or two people were like, oh, hell yeah. They're like, they, they knew Eld- Eldar Futhark and they could read it. And it was like, yeah, that was awesome. So I have uh, a friend who is actually, who has been in my life for over 20 years, who is actually a bridesmaid at my wedding, um, who has Molinier and the runic alphabet tattooed on her wrist. It, it's just like if you're, if you're going to do... Even in the 2000s, I'm sorry, there was plenty of material for you to go with, even to just fake it a little. You know what I mean? Like, don't just take something and they're like, oh, well, it's like, quote unquote, foreign. It must be pagan. So let's just, you know, call it what. No, like, do your fucking. And maybe this is because I'm always such like a stickler for research when it comes to ideas and thoughts and concepts. Do your fucking research. Just like, don't be a twat about the whole thing. I, I, I don't know if this is on the uh, a fall on like, the director or the writer or maybe the studio, but like, don't treat your audience stupidly. Like, cause like, like, you know, it's so. It easy. took me like, five minutes for me to get like yeah. for me to look up the Elder Futhark runic alphabet for me to figure out what those were because newsflash, they were not like <laughs> like protective pagan symbols. I mean, th- wait, this this movie came out in uh, two thousand. I yeah. mean, I mean, we still had we had the we had the early. We still have the early internet, but like it's just as simple as pausing the film and like writing down this, writing down this, the, the rune, and then going to your local library or or find a friend who who maybe they're into like mythology. Or go or, to your like, local occult shop because well, there too, were more of like, them in the early two thousands than there are now, and yeah. be like, what are these? What does this mean? Yeah, I don't know. Just. This movie, in general, it, it lacks. If a anybody out there wants to like, remake it, it, this it movie, do it. It do, It's not faithful. Okay, well, I, I see. I, I see the vision. The vision was act is more like of a antithesis to the original film, which I, which is, which is good. That's that's like you're having a conversation with the first film. That's fine. But then everything that in terms of execution, they just kind of like trampled on what. Um, made the first film great, and they shat all over it. They didn't yeah. trample it. They took a big steaming dump on this. Yeah, terrible, terrible. <sighs> also, yeah. the other the other thing that I, did, I really didn't like is um, so uh, one of the main protagonists, uh, Jeffrey Patterson, he's played by Jeffrey Donovan. And this is, um, yeah. Jeffrey Donovan's like really famous for like Burn Notice, um, and Hitch. Uh, I, I really love Burn Notice. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Burn Notice too. And like, I remember my first time seeing Donovan on screen, he played, uh, a NASA astronaut, uh, who got away with murder on, on an episode of Monk. Uh, that was that was actually one of my favorite episodes, and to see him so young here, and like I don't know if this is one of his earlier films or I don't know what kind of um acting directing acting direction he was given, but he, I mean I yeah I mean it's it's hard to say, like he was really chewing the scenery, like really really badly. Um, also there was one scene where like he was driving the van and it was clean shaven and in the next shot he has like the weird beard patches going on and 
I was like, Jeffrey yeah. Donovan, you could do so much better. I know this is what you were probably in your like your early twenties, uh, filming uh, when you were in this film, or but I was like Jeffrey Donovan, why is this on your resume? <laughs> okay, so two notes, uh, for this. One of them is very much in the vein of do your fucking homework. So for one scene, uh, Erica, the girl who is the Wiccan in the movie, had to chant an actual Wiccan chant over and over again until by the end of shooting the scene, she collapsed from exhaustion. Berlinger's Wiccan friend told him that she was calling up to the god of the underworld in that chant, a fact that freaked the actress out. So again, someone just found something and was like, yeah, cool, put it in a movie. She was supposed to be like the 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 earth child Wiccan. So why is she calling out to the god of the underworld? It makes no fucking sense. Wait, Don't just uh, throw because- shit in your movie because you think it sounds cool. Yeah. Again, I this movie this movie's trying to do too much at once. Um, right. So okay. So get this. This commentary was recorded precisely one year after Berlinger signed the deal to direct the Book of Shadows. He had initially gone to Artisan to pitch an idea for his first feature, but they weren't interested. Instead, they sent him three scripts they were looking at for a possible sequel to the Blair Witch Project. He passed on their scripts, but they asked how he would handle a sequel. He pitched them his idea, and they bought it, giving him only nine months to deliver the finished film as the release date had already been set. It's a miracle. a lot of time for a film. Exactly. It's a miracle that movie got done, Berlinger says. This is the director of the movie saying it's a miracle it got done with all the reshoots and the recuts and the rewrites that they made him do that they didn't even want to go with his vision for the movie. This is what we have left. Gosh, I hope he's doing okay now. Like that, this, everything, everything, this movie sounds so stressful. Um, so, and I, I mean, well, it's funny you should ask how he's doing now. Mm-hmm. He was a producer on Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, and oh, extremely really? wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I, he's doing fine. I think he's doing pretty good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, everyone has a rough patch. Um, again, I, I'm I'm laying most of the blame on the studio. Um, I 100% share the blame in with the like share in blaming the studio because there was obviously something concrete that was there. And as a fan, like, honestly, this makes me scared for the 2016 movie that we're going to be talking about in our next episode. Mm. Like what? I'm going to it very blind. I don't know. I haven't watched any trailers. I haven't. I didn't either. So I, it gives me hope. But at the same time, I don't know. I am a little scared. (laughs) (laughs) I know we've been uh, trashing this film, like, like, but I mean, there's been there there are some silver linings. Like this this movie is still a low budget film. Like it had a budget of fifteen million. So and technically, it was a box office success. It it grossed forty seven million worldwide. Well, because uh, and, think about it this way. If you saw the first one and you loved it as much as 
as much as a lot of other people did, you mm-hmm. were running to the theater to go see the sequel because they're like, oh my God, Blair Witch 2, holy crap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, which is, which makes sense because the first film was just such a light in the bottle moment. Um, and, you know, notwithstanding our views on it, we, like, we both really, really hate this movie. Um, when the movie came out, I mean, yeah, like, Robert, Robert, or Roger Ebert gave it a horrible review, but, like, there was, there was a good amount of people who gave it, like, a decent review, like, um, so, like, someone from the Hollywood Reporter wrote that it's, quote, better, better made than the original, and its writing contains a subtlety and wit the original film lacked. Um, oh, uh, shut up, Roger Ebert. What do you know? No, no, no. This is someone. Else. This is not Roger Ebert. This is uh, oh, Kirk okay. Honeycutt. Some uh, um, Anwar Brett from BBC, uh, he gave it a three out of four stars. Uh, and he said that, quote, it's a chilling, highly effective journey made with intelligence and a handful of effective goosebump inducing moments end quote so like i don't agree with those reviews but i mean i mean that's still a good review quote unquote and um there's there's a couple more decent reviews um so i don't know i read i read a couple of articles that were like i I read a couple of this movie maybe spoke to an audience we're not that audience. Ryan and I don't like this movie at all. No. But, I mean, if you if you watch this film, uh, if you're watching it for the first time right now and now listening to this podcast, if you enjoyed this film, cool. That's great. Um, but, yeah. I, I just... I, I did read a bunch of articles that were actually quite complimentary to this movie. And they were saying how it is in... Uh, like a sequel that needs to be like an unrecognized and like undeservedly hated film and I'm like who did we watch the same movie (laughs) and I also read an article that absolutely missed the whole goddamn point of the movie so that just that also did things to my psyche where I was like I don't think you and I watched the same movie you watched I think you watched the movie that you wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah, wrote I mean, the article on that's that. That's how I felt. Like there was an article written like not too long ago. Well, I guess I guess now I'm thinking it's kind of long ago, like four years ago, like in 2016. Bloody disgusting. Uh, published an article. Uh, this was written by Brendan Marrow, and he was very defending the film. And on overall, he would he described it as. An excellent descent into madness film. Uh, I agree that it's trying to be a descent into madness film. I wouldn't use the word excellent, and it just made me question. Also, did we watch the same film? But I would not call it excellent. But it, it yeah. Ugh. Yeah, this movie gives me ulcers. So <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't even honestly. Don't even know what to do with this movie. Uh, well, hate watching, I guess, because you've been doing it so much. I watched it three times. I will absolutely hate watch the shit out of this movie probably for the rest of my life. Like, I think I'm good with one and done on this film. 
I'm okay. <laughs> and just so you know, hate watching is a real thing, and you can still hate a movie but enjoy to hate watch it because it's something that you already know what's going to happen, and you don't need to pay attention, and and that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a massive tangent, um, and because we had nothing up. good to say about this. Oh yes, well, well okay. Well, for one, like I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give this. Uh, one out of five stick men. Um, it's half a stick man for me. Yeah, I we're we're beating a dead horse at the moment. Like I just, <laughs> I I I I give it a one stick man because I appreciate the vision, the original vision that they had. I I really like those sociological, psychological undertones and theories. That they tried to express and expand on, but you know, execution-wise, like it's just I I did not like this film. I was constantly losing my clock. Um, I was pulled between being bored and being just like, ugh, just like disgusted, like at how painful it was to watch. Um. I'm not as apprehensive as Rye about 2016 Blair Witch. Or the, I'm sorry, the new Blair Witch. Um, I mean, I'm going to it blind. So I, I have zero expectations. Uh, so I... Uh, I, I had much higher expectations for that movie before we watched this. Mm. Not that it's even like... Not that it's even like... I'm going to be connected to this in to this in any way. Like it's obviously not the same director, but it just it makes me a little nervous that what if the 2016 movie is just as misguided as this one? What if it's them trying to redo this? I I, I just I don't know. So well, I, only I, one I know way it to takes find play- out. Press that right. play button. <laughs> Right, push the play button. So, like, which universe is it going to exist in? The universe where the Blair, like this one, where the Blair Witch doesn't exist and it wasn't real? Or the first universe where it does exist and they're trying to go back to that documentary aspect of it? I don't know. So um, tune in next week to find out because that's, that's where we're at. <laughs> again, like, I, I've read or seen zero things about this so this is all speculation and we'll see how correct we are um how correct but, are it? I mean, yeah no I, yep and a lot of uh and a lot of movies in general especially in the last like i'd say like three or four years you know their reconning has been a thing like in the, they like especially like for example 2018 um Halloween, Halloween 2018. It ignored uh, all the other films and it created. Its Thank own freaking Odin! It did though, because that movie was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Uh, that was awesome. And then, um, you know, Terminator, the the more, most recent Terminator, Terminator Dark Fate. Um, they did that. It ignored li- at least like what, like three or four films out of its canon. Um, so it could be perfectly plausible that. The 2016 film ignores Book of Shadows completely and is like the it's produced as the 
true sequel or successor to the film first film that could happen i don't know but i mean i if that's the way they're going and if it's executed well cool um so right my tangent um before we were recording or before ugh, wow before we recorded i played the first 30 minutes of the blair witch video game so i want to give you my my quick first impressions so granted, I'm a you don't huge like scary, scary cat. video games. Yeah, this is a, I'm a huge scary cat when it comes to horror video games because, um, like, I'm I'm all about immersion, but like with video games, it's like this extra level of immersion. It was like holy shit! Like that's why that's why it t- um like games like Outlast or Resident Evil Seven specifically. Those give me like the heebie-jeebies, like like no other. Um, so so far, I, I've been uh, I've been playing um, the first thirty minutes. Uh, this game was released. Uh, I'd say if I remember correctly, it's like August or September of twenty nineteen. Um, so the basic plot premise is uh, you play um, like a former cop. Uh, and uh, you have a dog. You have a dog companion named Bullet, and it's and the dog is the best part of the game so far. Um, <laughs> so there's a nine year old boy who has gone missing um, in Burkesville in the Black Hills Forest, um, and you join uh, the search party. Um, you have like a dark and troubled past. Um, it's implied that the main character was part of the search party of the original film, um, searching for the students. Uh, and there's like oh. some weird traumatic shit that's happened. Like, so there, I, I, it could be like some advanced form of PTSD. Um, but there's something off about this character. Um, so he has his own set of problems and personal demons. Um, the it's super immersive like uh the the graphics are really crisp um the sound design is great like you just it's yes it's like a walking simulator um but you're walking through the forest and you just i love like the sound design like you you just hear the the crunching of of twigs and branches and leaves that you just hear random birds chirping um and this move, this game is really cinematic. It re- plays a lot like a movie, um, like or like a first person or first person movie. Um, and things go pretty south really quickly. Um, and right, I don't this this they they introduce like this crazy mechanic involving cameras and film footage. I don't. You haven't played it yet, but no. do you want me to give you like a spoiler, or do you want no, to? Like... No, no. Okay, no spoiler. Okay, so I, I, all I say is that you know, the, the hearkening to the other films and, and its aesthetic using found footage, um, they use that in a really, really interesting way, um, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, and clearly, the the my 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 
the most important and my favorite part of the beginning of the game is that you can customize your doge. <laughs> you can give it a different color, eye color, different different color. So, bullets, my boy. Um, and actually, the it's cool because the your relationship and proximity to bullet is really important. Like if you get separated from bullet. Uh, you start to go crazy, like like you, your vision starts going black, and like your eyes start to like waver. It's like some really cool Lovecraftian, Elsher's horror kind of shit. I love it. So, so I've been really enjoying, even though it's only twenty thirty minutes in. I'm really enjoying this game so far. So that's my first impressions of the Blair Witch video game. Um, I'm really hoping that I will have played a little bit of this by the time we record the next episode, so that yeah. I can. And if or not, we'll you'll a... find it on the website. I'll do a blog post about yeah, it. Yeah, or yeah, we'll make a bonus episode or a blog post about it. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, that's it for Blair Witch. Shit. <laughs> well, at least we ended it on a good note. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, yeah, so that was it for Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. I know, uh, let's forget we ever did this. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, I, I, my personal opinion, you could skip it and not miss anything, or you could have some morbid curiosity and hate watch it like Rye, or maybe you actually enjoy it. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't I'm not going to judge you if you enjoy it. I'm not judging. <laughs> I just want to make that like really clear. I'm not judging. <laughs> or come from me, you could save that hour and a half of your life and just instead do some homework and watch the 2016 Blair Witch. And then you'd be all set for next week's episode. That's my personal recommendation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On that note, thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and now Spotify every single Friday. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. Yep. And uh, again, stay tuned for Blair Witch. It may or may not be our last episode, depending if we can do a bonus episode on the video game or not. But uh, for now, uh, it'll be the last one in our franchise uh, miniseries. And we really enjoy doing these franchise miniseries. So if there's any... Uh, recommendations or particular fra uh, fran series being weird uh if there's any personal recommendations or franchises you want us to focus on in the near future uh let us know and uh we will add it to the slate yes yes so as always thanks for listening and uh don't forget stay, stay dreadful, dreadful.